Dead men tell no tales. Fifty men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 47 of Dead Man's Chest on this Friday for everyone out there. Unless you're listening, I guess, any other day of the week, then this doesn't really work for you, does it? I don't know what else to say about that. It's our Friday. It's our Friday. There we go. Happy Friday. I guess. You know, the crickets are chirping and... It's, it's almost aboard. yeah. It's almost like we're really in Pirates of the Caribbean ride here. Oh, it is. Yeah, got all the ambiance and the sounds going on here. Got the frogs croaking. Yeah, it's like we're at the Blue Bayou. I'm waiting for some twangy music and some banjo playing. He's but, downstairs. Yeah, that's true. Banjos are dog. Why? Why do you drop inside kind of stuff like that? Nobody <laughs> knows. People are like, oh yeah, their dog banjo. Ah, I know him well. <laughs> In the previous minute, Will, feeling absolutely no shame, comes up behind Lejean and grabs his sword. Nothing says I'm part of the motley crew like grasping your buddy's cutlass and telling your captain you want his compass. What? Why'd you give me that weird look? Nothing. It's a compass. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Insert your gratuitous good ship Venus reference here. Yeah, I know. I recycled this joke from a previous breakdown, maybe in season one or so. It was just so fitting, though. But let's get back to the story. The conversation turns to bondage, a trifling need to go upriver. I mean, ah, the code words these days that people <laughs> use. You know, it just goes right over my head. Really? Yeah, all these kind of euphemisms and these code words. Then how do you know they're euphemisms if they go over your head? I had to look them up. And plus I run in circles that contain you, and then it's just by default I hear all this stuff. And Jack shows Will a drawing of Davy Jones's key. You know, I can't make this stuff up. That's actually what happened. And this, everyone out there, it's right from a Disney movie. (laughs) But you shouldn't show anybody your key, that's for sure. Minute 47 begins with Captain Jack Sparrow finishing his line, the detecting of a way to save your dolly bell. Oh, what's her face? Savvy? Will grabs the drawing of the key and questions, this is going to save Elizabeth? The minute ends with sailors fighting over a wedding dress as the captain rolls up. What's all this? You both fancy the dress? You'll just have to share and wear it one after the other. One of the sailors responds, It's not like that dot dot dot. Now I'm assuming that's sir, but I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. What a cliffhanger. Everybody's wondering what the hell the sailor's going to say. Yes. My question is, the way you said this is going to save Elizabeth was a little too much. uh, Like he's a dinghy and and isn't questioning he said it a little odd. 
Okay, I just said it. You You didn't say it right. I know that you've complained that I'm not putting enough gusto and like feelings and acting chops into the breakdown, or at least I don't complain. I'm just critiquing. Critiquing. So now we. I mean, come on. This is not like inside the actor studio here or something (laughs) like that, where you want me to actually. Not that they do acting there, but I'm not going to act out the parts. Or maybe I will. I mean, this is something that's going to take some planning. And if I decide that I want to go down that route, maybe I will. And then everybody out there will be the better for it. And I'm, it's almost like I got to create a song for each one. Maybe that's what I'm going to do from now on. There we go. Sing, sing my heart out for these breakdowns. Everybody will be happy about that. I know this is going to be hard to believe, but I don't really have much to say with the first half of this minute. Really? Yeah, I'm not sure why. I mean, Depp really is fantastic as Jack Sparrow. He conveys that bit of a confidence man, kind of a con man thing. Will has to realize that there's a screw jobbing here, right? I mean, he's talking to Jack after all. And Jack convinced him that a trade was in order here. They'll all get what they want, yeah. But the key is the key, so to speak. Depp plays this superbly as well as Will does, I think. Yeah. I think they actually do a really good job here. Two opposing characters at this point, and as I said, the confident Jack and the bit of a naive Will thing going on, it's almost like Elizabeth has clouded his judgment a bit because he's falling into this Jack trap without really questioning the motives. He just takes Jack at face value. I mean, maybe I, okay, maybe I stress maybe, or how many maybes I want to actually say right there, because he may just be going along knowing he needs to keep his guard up. But the clue should have been the question about Davy Jones and the abrupt, yep, that'll save her. You know, I smell a shyster here. Yeah. Doesn't Will smell shyster? Or Shiite? Or whatever you want to say. Does he not smell this? Is something funny here. With that last comment, he would think he would. That's what I'm saying. Because that was kind of like, really? You'd think Jack would have played along a little more so that Will... Yeah, because that was pretty, just like I said, abrupt. It was... yeah. Oh, well, then, <laughs> yep, it'll work. Yeah. Like, really? You just asked me about Davy Jones. Should I not know more about Davy Jones? Yeah. Wait, you're saying the guy that we've been saying we're going to send somebody to the locker all these years? I'll send you to the deep. Oh, that's a real thing? That's a real person? Yeah, something. That could have come out. Right. And then, Will, knowing that there's been supernatural elements, how about skeleton pirates, Will? Okay? You should go... Maybe I need to question Jack more about this whole Davy Jones thing because this guy sounds like a character. If he's got a locker under the sea, I probably need to know about that before going tangling with this. Because <laughs> sending to someone to Davy Jones's locker is never a good thing. So he's not like he's like, oh my God, maybe we'll get to go to the locker. Yeah. No, he doesn't. He kind of just glosses it over and goes along with it. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Maybe he's the Elizabeth thing is clouded as judgment right now. Maybe. Or maybe we're just not reading enough into it or maybe i don't know gibbs knows what's going on yeah well gibbs you see him in the background he's all i can't believe it fell for that yeah (laughs) Gibbs like maybe i'll go back to pelagosto because i know scott and heather really are longing to talk about long pork again see look how i just wanted to bring it yeah i did want to bring it again damn it how dare you bring that up but I don't think I have much on the first half of the minute because we get some incredible cinematography shots in this episode. Minute. Say minute again. Unlike our transitions. Yeah. The seamless transition in the next scene. Into the next scene with the wedding dress. That's all right. 
I think I that said, that's unlike our transitions. Unlike our transitions, our transitions. We, there's are a golden. seamless transition into our the next scene. Our transitions are like a roll of tape. There's never an end to it. <laughs> it was like a dangling carrot that stole my attention, though, away from the first half of the Jack Will interaction, really. So before I nuzzle on over to tall ships and harbors and all that kind of fun sailing stuff, did you actually have anything to say about Jack and Will? interaction before i move on anything else just so jack, i knew it okay go ahead jack says dolly bell oh what's her face like he can't remember elizabeth's name will just said elizabeth's name for one thing and you know elizabeth's name is on jack's mind anyway that is true and i think he was just playing along with that like he doesn't really care and i think that's maybe the whole point he's trying to pretend like he doesn't really care what happens to elizabeth not so much He's trying to throw everybody off, throw Will off. Like, oh, it's not a big deal. I don't really care about old what's-her-face. That's what I think. Yeah. So I think it kind of gets back to what we were talking about in the last minute. And I think this is part of the whole running theme of the movie is this whole Jack is torn between a bunch of different things. And that's why the compass is going haywire, not pointing where he thinks it should be pointing because it's really conflicted. It's pointing yeah. in all different directions. Right. So are you ready to move along, old what's-your-face? Oh, what's her face? No, what's your face? Because I completely just forgot who you were. We'll see how that is. Oh, actually, I did have one more thing. Of course you do. It's Columbo style here today. <laughs> uh, just one more thing. Oh, uh, one other thing. Jack asks a question about Davy Jones, and as we, the audience, get that kind of quick feeling, oh, here comes some exposition about Jones, a story, something to shed light on this character, because that's what it felt like. Yeah. Oh, how much do you know about Davy Jones? And the audience kind of like all moves in from their seat, gets closer to the screen. And then, I mean, it's like, oh my God, we've been hanging out on Cannibal Island waiting to hear about this guy and his terrible beastie for all this time. But no, that's the tease. Jack drops the subject and we cut away. Except for Jack dropping a hint with his facial expression that this is not going to go easy or be a pleasant task. Yeah. That's it. That's all we get as the audience. Everybody moves in for the reveal, and we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, and then, boom, nothing happens. We don't get any of that exposition. Gibbs doesn't step in as Mr. Exposition, doesn't give us any of the backstory. Well, he is in the background. So you're saying the... Well, that's true. He couldn't have come forward. I mean, that would be impossible for somebody to he's, walk he's forward. steering the ship. That's true, I guess. And I say that... With as much sarcasm as I could possibly muster at this point in time. It wasn't very, very good sarcasm. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't. But I'm just saying that Gore or Ted or Terry, they set it up where we still don't know what's going on with Davy Jones. We still don't know what's going on with this terrible beastie except for that small peak that destroyed a ship. And that's what I find interesting. They're still teasing this whole thing. And if you were to take out the Cannibal Island thing, the Pelagosto stuff... Then it seems like it would flow better and wouldn't be such a long tease. Because now the tease continuing still feels very long. Because we're 47 minutes into the movie and we're still teasing yeah, but one of the main characters. The nemesis of this whole thing. When you were watching this movie, not minute by minute, but actually the flow of the movie. Did you really feel this way? No, but I don't know if I was analyzing it that way because I was having fun. I wasn't sitting there watching it to critique the movie. If I'm watching to critique the movie, it's a whole different ballgame than if I go there just to sit down and have some fun. I think that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's like any, any well, 
any monster movie or anything, they go through over half the movie before you they reveal the monster. That's true. That is true. They do do that. And I hate it. But they do it. <laughs> I mean, saying, they're Godzilla movies and everything. They go through quite a bit of the movie before oh, you actually see Oh, we some Godzilla action. Not this latest thing. Shin Godzilla. How dare you, Shin Godzilla? You take that back. Can't believe I... Damn it, and I'm a Godzilla fan. I'm talking long-time Godzilla fan. And I didn't much care for that, but this isn't Shin Godzilla podcast. And I have specific reasons why I didn't like it, but we'll, we'll, that, we'll save that for another day. But I'm talking about when I actually go into the movie just to watch it as an entertainment, an escape, not to actually really sit there and analyze it. Because I'm typically not one to go in there and look at plot holes and those kinds of things. I'll gloss them over if I'm having a good time. If they're really blatant, then I might sit there and put an eye on it. If they're really like over the top. But if they're just subtle or it's not a big deal to me, I don't really care. And I think that's the difference. Like when I see it versus sitting down and actually looking at a movie to critique it or we're going to break it down or we're doing a minute by minute thing, then it's a whole different ball game. Right. So yeah, I think that changes it. But I think I'm going to have to lay it all on the line here and say as of this point in the franchise... This has to be the definitive shot of Port Royal's Harbor. That was my transition, which was that none. was it. There's no transition. Mine was better, unlike our transitions. Hey, we are already done. So that's what I have to say. This is the definitive shot of Port Royal's Harbor. Hell, I'm going to even say the town, Port Royal, the town, not just the harbor. The definitive shot. An incredible aerial view that pivots. We see ships, the town, and buildings. Even Fort Charles from a different kind of angle here. It's a completely new look of this whole area that we've been in and that's actually been so important to the movies or the movies. Well, I could say movies, but because we're only in the second one, the previous movie. And yet this is our best view of it. I think it's excellent. Yeah. Not to mention it eases us into the harbor in a new ship with a slick transition because we couldn't come up with a slick transition. Okay, you did. There you go. Giving me the rolling eyes there. But the movie, ah, they came up with one. Black Pearl cuts to unfurling of sails, sailors going about their work. This is the stuff of Disney animatronics here. People living their lives and we get a sneak peek at it. This was so seamless that the unfurling of the sails. Yeah. I had to think about it because I thought at first it was a Black Pearl sails. But then I realized the Black Pearl has black sails. I completely agree. I also did the same thing because I had to look at it and go, wait a second. This isn't the Black Pearl. It was just this complete... It it just worked really well to bring us to Port Royal and to introduce us to a new ship. Even all the sounds, canvas flapping in the wind, ropes, pulleys, iron. I mean, it makes the whole scene come to life. And that's what I like about it. What's even better is the subtle things added to the background we may have generally missed. Like the Governor's Mansion. Yeah, the freaking Governor's Mansion is back there. Rest in peace, Butler. (laughs) Poor Butler. Well, he should have never opened that goddamn door. I'll just say that right now. Cannons blast. Okay, don't get me started on why he opened that door. It's like, you rang. Dude, did you hear the cannons? Don't open the door. Anyways, you can see it in the background as the camera swivels. And I like that. That's why I think that we get this like definitive shot of it. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. It really really brings it to life, though. Yeah, it does. Because all we've had really before are some of like the coming in to the harbor or looking out from Port Royal. But you've never gotten like this whole panoramic view of all of it at once like this. That's why I like it. Yeah. Another thing with the sails when they start unfurling, you think it's a bigger ship than when they pan out 
and you see all the other ships around it, and yet this is the smallest one in the harbor. I didn't really notice if it was the smallest one. Really? I didn't really compare it to the other ones. Okay, I guess all I the other say. ones in the in the harbor were huge, with you know just big old huge ships, and then this guy was quite a bit smaller than everybody else. Well, I think that it would still be impressive if you were on it. Well, yeah. I'm just saying when they panned out, you've seen how small this one was. This gently places us on board the Edinburgh Trader. And that's what this is. It's the name Edinburgh. of it. It's the Edinburgh Trader. I said Edinburgh. Edinburgh. No. Edinburgh. Don't listen to me. What are you doing? It's the Edinburgh Trader. <laughs> a ship with a dress. That's what it is then. Are you happy with that? As we're going to try Ship with a what? A dress. A dress? Yes. Mighty bad luck to be having a woman on board. That's what I have to say. <laughs> The Edinburgh Trader is a 169-foot-long merchant vessel armed with 10 cannons and owned and operated by Captain Bellamy and his crew. Bet you didn't have that information. I did not. Bellamy, we see at the end of the minute, telling his crew they have to share the dress. For all you out there. The Trader is a merchantman-class ship. They were built in the same style as frigates and other military ships, but were stubbier. There you go, Heather. They're stubbier. Were more lightly armed and had much larger holds for cargo, which definitely makes sense if it's a trading vessel and a merchantman. They got dresses on there, so. Yeah, but that's for the sailors off time when they're looking to relax a little bit. Nothing says relaxation like putting on a corset and a dress. (laughs) Ah, you can kick back and just have a... Does this dress have a corset? Uh, Well, I think if you're wearing a dress, like back then, you got to have a corset with it. Otherwise, you're just not a proper... Lady? Lady Sailor. (laughs) Behind the scenes, the Edinburgh Trader has a famous past you probably don't know about. I do not. Aha! History! Yes! It is indeed the one and only... Well, okay. Let me clarify. The one and only reconstructed... Let's just say that. HMS Bounty. Yes, the HMS Bounty. Doubled as the Edinburgh Trader. I can see your mind clicking over there. You've heard of the Bounty, haven't you? I have. Do you know where you've heard of it? No. Dang it! Walk the plank. And you call yourself a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Black Pearl Show, host, and you can't come up with a bounty. That's almost blasphemy. I'm going to excommunicate you from the world of pirates. The bounty had been constructed for the 1962 film. Here's the spoiler for you, Heather. Mutiny on the Bounty. Mm. The story of the bounty has been made into numerous films, as we probably all have known. But the 1962 version is perhaps the most well-known, having starred Marlon Brando as the mutinous first mate, or lieutenant, I should say, Fletcher Christian. The real-life story of the bounty, I'm just going to say it is really interesting if you haven't looked into it before. I highly recommend you do so. Not just the story of the mutiny or watching the movies, but all people involved afterwards. This is where I find it's really just like this really interesting real-life tale. From the mutineers living and marrying islanders in the Pitcairn, Pitcairn Islands, At one point, I had this like fascination with the whole tale. I remember doing research on this back in the day. My school days, I should say. Just because it was so interesting to see how it played out. The different perspectives from the crew to Captain Bly. The real life story. And it was after watching some of the movies that I actually became really fascinated with this whole thing. So definitely look into it, especially those with a predilection for ancestry. Because I say that because people try and track their family's origins and all this kind of stuff. But here, and I'm talking now about the real life story and the Pitcairn Islanders, because the real Pitcairn Islanders now are like this biracial ethnic group descended mostly from the nine bounty mutineers and a handful of Tahitians who accompanied them to the islands. Huh. 
That's kind of interesting. Yeah, the history is still apparent in the surnames of many of the islanders as well. Today, there are only about 50 permanent inhabitants on Pitcairn Island, originating from four main families that come back and have their roots with the mutineers on the bounty. Huh. So seriously, check it out if you like the history of Age of Sail, that kind of stuff, or real-life history of mutinies and kind of tall ships and that stuff. Captain Bly, Fletcher Christian. Definitely, they're kind of big in this world, especially with all the movies. It's really an interesting story. Like I said, check out the movie. You can see... Really how portrayals can sway perspective and all that good stuff, too. Because, like, real-life accounts and things that happened afterwards differ kind of from what is portrayed in the movie and who's the bad guy, who's the good guy, these kinds of things. There's some subtle things like that that I think make it interesting. And then you end up with the mutineers. I already told you they're on the Pitcairn Islands, and this is a 1962 movie or more, where they, you know, are afraid they can't go back, so they basically take the bounty... Land on the Pitcairns and all this kind of stuff. That's really an abbreviated, maybe not really accurate version of what happened. But you get the gist. And on a sad note, in October 2012, the reproduction bounty, you know, the one and only reproduction, I should say, used in the movie in Dead Man's Chest was actually lost at sea during Hurricane Sandy. Oh, really? Yep. Well, that is sad. The Edinburgh Trader, the bounty, gone, 2012. I figured we could... Save good old Captain Bellamy until the next minute or so. I don't know if you have anything on him. If you do, you can bring it up. But we can mention some other notable crewmen we see in this minute. Are you okay with skipping some of those guys? Yeah. So the guy who finds the dress is credited as... Now wait, hold on to your grog here, everybody. Heather? I'm really talking to you there. Don't spill your grog. His name is Sailor Edinburgh. Ah, the Sailor Edinburgh. Wow. It's creative. It is creative. I mean, who would have guessed? Because I really wish I had some great info to bring on this guy. But after Dead Man's Chest, he appeared in Inkheart as a masquerade ball dancer. And that's about it. Plus, no backstory either. So it's like, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. So I'll share one more crewman for this episode. Because, yeah, we have to spread things out a bit, folks, here. So don't fret. You'll get them. Plus, it's just so riveting. The ball guy playing tug of war with the dress, that's the quartermaster. And he was portrayed by Steven Spears. And I do have a few bullet points, but that would be spoilers of things to come in the movie. So I'll bring that to everybody later on in the film. And I know that's a bummer now, but you'll have to wait. But the rest isn't spoilers. And so, yep, at least this guy has some credits to his name worthy of discussing. And perhaps the most well-known for fans, that's fans of the movies by minute show genre. Shout out to Pete and Alex. Star Wars Minute. Star Wars Minute. There you go. Did you feel the gusto? I did. It wasn't really there, was it? No. I got to practice my gusto. Steven Spears was Captain Tarples in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh, really? Yes, we're like connected to Star wow. Wars Minute now. That's what I'm talking about. He's been doing steady work since 1989. Okay, good for you, buddy. Working actor with 75 credits under his belt. Lots of UK TV work is what's going on there, most of it. For all you opera fans out there, Jeffrey Lloyd Roberts... The opera singer is Stephen's brother. Oh, really? Quartermaster's brother. Some notable works include the movie The Boy in the Dress. And I brought that one to you here because I found it appropriate. Oddly appropriate, (laughs) considering he was fighting over the dress in this movie. (laughs) What do you have to tell us here, buddy? I mean, come on. Now, if I had more data points, I'd venture to say I'd see like this trend forming here with Stephen in dresses. Not that there's anything wrong with that, folks. I just said I thought I might be seeing a trend if I had more data points, but I don't. The sad part is, is that he doesn't have this, like, sweet character names with his credits. 
You know, I still wanted to rattle off a good list of crazy names that he's played. But no, the best I could find was that he was in the movie Gangsta Granny. Gangsta Granny. There's a movie called Gangsta Granny? Gangsta Granny. You're not even saying it right. It's not gangster. It's like gangsta. I'm a gangsta. Gangsta Granny. Wow. Okay. I mean, we can all admit we have this on VHS, this TV (laughs) gem. Or maybe it's a digital download. Why would I say VHS nowadays? I have no clue. VHS was so long ago. I don't even remember VHS because I was not around. Actually, I said that for Gangsta Granny because she was here with us. And Granny would know about VHS. Oh, okay. Okay, digital download. I mean, we need to start the Gangsta Granny Facebook group, I think. That way we could all discuss (laughs) that TV movie. Yeah, Gangsta Granny. And speaking of a few of my favorite things, I got a quick list if you're interested. I am. Actually, do you remember, what does Quartermaster do? Just to remind all the fans out there. I think we talked about this in season one, but I'll just briefly, if I, in a bridge thing, because I think we went over quite a bit of that stuff, but... I'll just say right now is I believe that it's more like responsibilities for steering and kind of the signals of the ship. But as far as like on a merchant ship like this one, I'm not sure if there's any differences and we'd probably have to get into that. But yeah, maybe steering and like I said, signals and maybe they even do other supplies and things like that. But that might get more into Navy stuff and military because that's not one of my favorite things is to tell those little quick facts. It's not? No, because I was trying to transition back to my list before you jumped us ahead crazy out of sync here okay a few of my favorite things a quick list mostly quick fairly quick that's eh, somewhat quick the sales of the edinburgh trader i completely love these they're like canvas strips stitched together and they show like this nice pattern it really comes out well with the sunshine from behind adds some great detail that just gives this ship some personality i think yeah and if you hadn't noticed it you should take a look at it with the sun hitting it I also like the appearance of the wedding dress, Elizabeth's wedding dress, and that the sailors are fighting over it. It's kind of symbolic of Norrington, Will, and maybe even Jack fighting over Elizabeth. A subtle callback to the Curse of the Black Pearl and maybe to the situation we have now. Everybody's always fighting over Elizabeth. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing here, right? Yep. Penny Rose knocked it out of the park with the crewmen on this ship. Their clothing is spectacular. It's all individualized. Gives everyone this character about them. Yeah. You can read it on their faces. You can see it in their clothes. From the period piece spectacles to the sailor with the bullet hole. I think that's what it was in his hat. To the cabin boy. Call him a cabin boy. Guy with the, the young guy with the sock hat looking thing on. Against the rail. Yeah. Against the side of the boat. Yeah. You didn't want to say rails. You had to go back. Well, is it really a rail? I don't know what it is. Okay, side of the boat. Now you got me to say the boat. Poor merchant ship. <laughs> it's been classified as a boat now. But I can't think of what it's called right now for his hat, but that's not the point. Penny Rose. A beanie? Maybe Not really a beanie. Okay, when I think of beanie, I automatically go to those stupid like propeller beanies or those little beanies with the, <laughs> with the Mickey Mouse ears on them. <laughs> Seriously? Did you get, yeah, did you get uh, Disneyland? <laughs> the old school ones. You know what I'm talking about, right? Those the little ones, caps. The ones that um, Tweedledee and Tweedledum wear? Yeah, those kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> or like I said, the one with the Mickey Mouse ears on him. That's for you, Disney. That's pretty funny. But yeah, in general, Penny Rose, she always does great work with costuming in this movie. And I think we mostly don't really give her props for some of these kind of extras and character actors that are happening here. More yeah. so maybe the main actors. But if you really look closely at just all the people in the film, they're really all decked out and specifically on the Edinburgh Trader. And lastly, I think these character actors nailed the part. If you look at all the sailors standing around, they're not smiling. 
They're not having a good time or any of that. It's a freaking hard life, and that shows on their faces. Not even smiling when the guys are fighting over a dress. They laugh at them. Not all of them. And that's what I'm saying. If you look at some of them are sitting there pretty stone-faced. It's like so reminiscent of antique photos and everyone's sitting there with that non-smiley face. What would you call that? The Billy the Kid photos? <laughs> Billy the Kid photos. Are you kidding? Yeah. Okay. I'll go with stone that. Stone face. So I just said stone face. We couldn't come up no, with another No, you said word. not smiley face. That's because I had said stone face before. So I was trying to come up with another descriptive term for that. Straight faced. Straight faced. There we go. Straight faced. I don't even know what to say. You anymore. know that emoji that doesn't have a smile yeah, or a frown? Yeah, that one. That, that puts it in a good <laughs> His context. mouth is just a line. <laughs> yeah, everybody now has a good context of it. They're like, oh, emojis. Now we know what it looks like. That's what he's talking about. Because now we put it into terms of today. People are all looking at their phones. What are they talking about? Oh, that's the face right there. So with a straight line for the mouth. Straight line emoji. But yeah. Look at them. They're, they're just actually living this part. And that's what I think. It just reminds me of antique photos. These old-timey photos that everybody has probably seen at some point. Nobody smiled in it. I think that was kind of the thing. But it's just a hard life. Well, I don't think you could smile in the old photos, right? Because it took too long for it to process. And you couldn't question. keep your, ca- your smile there. Your cheeks will be all sore by the time you're done. I don't know what the reason was. I'm... I'm assuming it was a mix of things that maybe that was just the fashion of the day. To not smile? Yeah. A maybe they're all pissed off. <laughs> they're like, this life sucks ass. <laughs> we're out in the fields all day. We're coming into town. Johnny Yuma style. We got to gun people down. Johnny Yuma. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Drinking your pain away. Toiling on the farm. They didn't have much to smile about. Sweeping dirt. Yeah. Oh, my God. The dirt. Can you even imagine the dirt? <laughs> the dirt was everywhere, my friends. Allergies must have been crazy nuts. I don't think people had allergies back then. They no? were made of stone. They were like, it's almost like they were stone-faced. Constantly be sneezing. No. Yeah. With your weak 20th century, 21st century-ness, bringing that back, of course you'd be sneezing all over the place. Those people, they were made of rock. <laughs> they didn't have time for sneezing. They could barely get through the day. Their backs and... Okay, no, this isn't that kind of pocket. Anyways, okay, another one of my favorite things. Man, it's good to be off Pelagoso. Look, talking sailors and a bit of history, sailing history, antique photos. Ah, <laughs> antique photos. Almost that could be another podcast, but I'll have to think of a title. I feel like I could drink some grog, actually. I'm so happy we're off the island. You can share it with those Pelagostos. Thanks for bringing them back. Didn't we just say we're off there? Oh. Almost as like that... Time for grog, but it's almost like it's time for a hankering for eggs. Don't you agree? Got a hankering for eggs? For eggs? Really bad eggs. So what do you say? Time for really oh. bad eggs? Yes. You didn't know. You're like, why does he want to eat eggs did, right here? Yeah. I was We're having like, grog in the studio. I, We're eating hard-boiled eggs. Actually, I was going over the minute in my head trying to find the eggs in the minute or why you would mention eggs. Ah, the history of eggs. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Really Bad Eggs, that's the bi-weekly segment where we highlight our favorite quotes from the last six minutes, the last six episodes, two weeks, however you want to put it. Order up. We're devils and Really bad eggs. Bring up me, honey, yo-ho. Yo-ho, yo-ho. A pirate's life for me. And really bad eggs. What do you have for today, Heather? Did that even make sense? What do you have for us today? Maybe that's better to say. (laughs) 
Thief! Little hairy thief! Give it back! Don't bite it! You're going with monkey action. Yeah. And? I kind of like this, you know. That's it? Okay, you no, better hit no, us with something. No. Okay. We've all had these conversations with our pets. Speaking of us, because, you know, we now have the puppy around here. And you're always telling her, no, no, don't do that! <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I thought it was kind of funny that, that he said, you know, it's kind of a pet person relationship, but yet a brother-sibling or a sibling relationship. You know, going on with uh, Rigetti and this, yeah. the monkey, Jack There's the monkey here. There's a lot of here, interesting kind of you know. character development or just even relationships between them. Yeah. They come out. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of an interesting, it was a cute little. But cute. I don't I don't know if Jack the monkey would like to be termed as a pet. He's his own monkey no, for sure. This, Yeah, that's very true. Our dogs are their own. Dogs. Dogs, people. They're not people. He's their own person. They're yeah. their own canines. However, that they're their own. They're their own beings. <laughs> they're their own beings. I'm going with minute 46 when Jack says to Will, "No, you want you to find this," referring to the key. That's what I went with. Heather goes For monkey what? action, huh? For what? For what? Oh, you just opened a can of worms. Then there's a word salad, of course, that follows. But that's not the important part. Correcting Will's comment that you want me to find this by putting it all back on him is so Jack Sparrow and his double speak can actually enter this kind of picture here. It's actually really brilliant because it takes Will out of that bartering moment. The, I can't believe I have to trade with Jack to get him to help Elizabeth or to save Elizabeth. To something else though, it kind of transitions it for him. It's a mysterious key that could save Elizabeth in some way. Kind of changes yeah. it up for Will. Yeah. Jack doesn't want me to trade with him. I need to find the key to save Elizabeth. It's like he... Well, it's like Jack pulling some child psychology thing on Will here. Not sure he's entirely buys what Jack is selling. Yeah. 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 What is that? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> but he's... Insofar as going along with the plan, definitely. I just like Jack's uncanny ability to manipulate a situation or maybe manipulate a situation through a bunch of confusing words that leave people just scratching their freaking heads. Like, yar. Yeah, like that. Seems like it could be a good gift, though, for the weak-minded. These aren't the pirates you're looking for. The force never hurts. It'd be a good gift to use on the weak-minded, not a good gift for the weak-minded to have. It's a good gift. Right, to not use. To use, yeah. On the weak minded. I didn't say I was giving it. I'm not gifting it. I said it was a gift. You said this is a good gift for the weak minded. Okay. Good gift for it's a, this could be a good gift. One one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand. That's my pause. For the weak minded. There you go. To the weak minded. Is that better? Okay. It could be a good gift for you to use against the weak minded. That's is that what better? I said. That I needed to clarify for myself just to make sure you understood. So that's what I'm saying. I think that's why I like the quote. Because it really puts Will in a whole different thing. He kind of thinks that the key is now the way to save Elizabeth. As much as he wants to admit it to Jack and play along without getting into any more conversations with this guy. Because he knows he'll never really get the full truth. So maybe he's just quitting while he's ahead. Like, you know what? I just got off the island. I'm going to take a break and not deal with a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And then I'll sit back and kick back and we can talk about it maybe later. Maybe Will has a plan in his own head on how to get the compass and get to That's Port possible Royal. too. 
it's possible he's just like, hey, I'm going to go along to get along, and then he can enact his own plan. Yeah. There you go. Maybe that's the case. Maybe. And with that, I guess we'll have to look to later minutes to find out if you're correct or not. Do you have anything else? That was it for me. Let's get the hell out of here then. It's Friday, for God's sakes. Look at that. Where's all the humor? Where'd all the humor go in this episode? Why was it so serious? Captain Bly? I mean, he was... I mean, it's so laughable. It's comical. It's funny. I mean, he was... There was this mutiny. He was set adrift in a boat. I mean, that's just belly laughing. Who doesn't want to be stranded in a boat out in the middle of the ocean? Ah, that's funny stuff. Oh, see, it wasn't. Damn it. Had no humor this time. No. We'll be back on Monday with Minute 48 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling and obviously the comedy and humor to a minimum. Hopefully we'll have some good stuff next time. Maybe it won't be so heavy of a show. Maybe we need the grog flowing. Maybe we do need the grog flowing. You definitely need the wine flowing because if there's no wine over there, you're like an antique photo, stone-faced. Really? Yeah, that's what I said. Johnny Yuma was a rebel. He roamed through the West. Johnny Yuma the rebel. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bildrats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.